Well, I'm glad that you guys are here this morning. We're in a series in the, uh, called uh, Living Large, the Book of James, right? Hearers of the Word and Doers of the Word, right? I um, hope that you're enjoying this series. We've, um, I think God's really been speaking to us through His Word. Hope that you've been receiving. You know, when we look at the book of James, what we really see is we, um, we see that there's a clear picture that God wants to speak to His church. There was something going on then that he wanted to address and he wanted to talk about. And he, and he does this through James. And the, and the basic issue of what he's dealing with is, is being people of genuine faith. Having a real faith, a living faith. Not something that's fake, not something that's dead, which, um, which we all know is um, it's really no, no faith at all. So this, this whole idea of having a genuine faith is not only important to to the, the people that James is writing to, but it's important throughout the Scripture. As a matter of fact, if you look over to the very next book, in this Scripture, I didn't give it to our guys, but in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, the Scripture talks about it, it says that, that the trying of your genuine faith, when it's your genuine faith, when it's tried by fire, that it will come out and it'll be more precious, more valuable than gold, okay? How many people know how much gold is worth these days, all right? Only about 1200 and some dollars an ounce. So a nugget of this size would be uh, valued at somewhere between $6,500 and $7,000. And I, I just found this one in the parking lot, so uh, I... Uh, <laughs> But, um, but you know what, if it's genuine gold, it's extremely valuable. And he says that, that our genuine faith is more than genuine gold. But you know, there's a lot of fake stuff that goes on. There's a lot of stuff that's not real gold. And as a matter of fact, this nugget here is called pyrite. Does anybody know what pyrite is? It's called fool's gold. That's exactly right fool's gold. People would see this. They would see pieces of this and they would think that they had struck it rich when really what they had was worth nothing at all. And so what God's telling us, hey, we want a genuine faith, not a fool's faith, not a fake faith, not a faith that's worth nothing at all. And so throughout this book, we're going to find a description of where we see things that are contrasted between the genuine, between the valuable, between the living, and that which is fake, okay? How many people would rather have the real than the fake? Anybody think real is better than fake, right? Absolutely. So what we're going to do today, a little bit different, is we're going to um, kind of try and take a pop quiz, all right? We're going to take a pop quiz. How many people just loved it when your teacher said, we're going to take a pop quiz, right? How many teachers just love giving pop quizzes just to get their kids, right, just to elevate their blood pressure, all right? Good. Before we do that, let's jump into the scripture. We're going to read this morning from James chapter 1, beginning in verse 21 from the Passion Translation. James writes and he says this, he says, So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Now remember... He's writing to the churches, he's writing to the believers, he's to these churches that have been scattered, these believers that have been scattered, and he's these followers of Jesus Christ, these disciples, and he's saying, hey, abandon, we abandon everything morally impure in all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to absorb God's word. 
Because it's been planted within our nature. When we yield our lives, when we submit our lives, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, when he gives us a new nature, he implants within that nature the word of God. For the word of life has power to continually deliver us. The New King James says, has power to save our souls. So don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. And if you've got your Bibles there or your uh, iPads or phones or whatever, I would just highlight that word self-deception. We're going to see that word three or four more times in the book of James, just here in this next chapter, where he's saying, hey, I don't want my people to be deceived. I don't want them thinking that they've got the real stuff and really all they're showing up with is something that's fake, that doesn't have any value, that's not, that's not showing the salvation of their lives. It's not something that's benefiting them, and it's not benefiting the work of the kingdom. He says, so... We don't want to just be people who listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. That's the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. The King James, New King James says it like this. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How many people hate to be deceived? Don't you hate to be deceived, hate to be lied to, hate to be promised something and then it not, uh, not be fulfilled, right? So he goes on in verse 23 and he says, If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of his word. Then you go out and forget your divine origin. That's a great verse there. It talks about the identity of who we are. He says, you perceive how God sees you. How many people really have that as a focus of their life, saying, you know what? God, I want to see you better, and as I see you better, I want to be able to see and know myself better. I, I don't want to try and, and put my own hands on my own life and form in my fashion. I want to be who you have called, who you've appointed me to be. And so he says, but those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, they're fascinated by and respond to the truth that they hear and are strengthened by it. They, they hear the word and they receive the word and they, they mix faith with the word. And they, then because they are strengthened by it, they experience God's blessings in all that they do. How many people want that in your life this morning? Is anybody here beside? I want, I want God's blessings. Anybody want God's blessings in your, in your friendships, in your relationships? Anybody want God's blessings in your finances? God, in every area of life, God, may your blessings fill our lives. So this is what we want, God's blessings in all that we do. So we're going to hear his word. We're going to live large. We're going to be hearers of the word, <coughs> excuse me, and doers of the word. Amen. Amen. Okay. You ready for the test? You ready? We're, we're going to list, just list some things from the scripture. And what you can do is you can just go through and you can, gotta, you can, for yourself, grade yourself. Don't grade your neighbor. Don't grade your husband, your wife, your kids, your parent. Don't, don't do that. Grade yourself here, all right? Just ask the Holy Spirit to, to help you to be honest, to grade yourself. And you can say true, false, or yes, no, maybe a check or an X, okay? You can kind of just do this in your mind as we go through this list, all right? You ready? We're going to start back with some of the things that we learned from James chapter 1 a couple of weeks ago. So number one is we find out that the marks, the traits of a genuine Christian life, right? 
Not, not, not just people who pretend, not fake lives, not, not religious lives, but true followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. These are the things that mark their lives. That they are joyful even in tests and trials. Joyful even in tests. Okay, is this true of your life? True, false, yes, no, check, X. Is this, is this you today? Troy, tr- we're joyful in tests and trials. Now, do you remember from a couple weeks ago? Why are we joyful in tests and trials? Well, because we know that God is with us in the tests and trials. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never takes his eye off of us, right? And because we know that God is working for our benefit through these tests and trials. As Tim said earlier, God doesn't cause the tests and trials, but he works them. He works them for good in our lives, right? He's going to let patience, we're going to let patience have its perfect work so that we can, be, we can be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. How about that? You have a God, you have a heavenly Father, that his desire for your life is for you to be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Now turn to somebody, give them a high five, and say, he's talking about you this morning, right? And I saw some of you are hesitating, right? I'm not sure they're perfect or complete, lacking, but that's who God wants us to be, okay? So number one there, let's go a little quicker here. Patient, check, X, true, false, yes, no, okay. Filled with wisdom, does not doubt, okay? Continually abides and lives in faith. Yes, no, are you, kidding? Are you answering these? All right, single-minded means just always focused on the Lord. Always see that God's hands, always knows uh, that God's hand is with us, that God's presence is with us. Not double-minded. We know that the problem with double-minded people, the scripture told us what, is that they're unstable in all of their ways, all right? So we're not going to be that person. We're going to be steadfast, all right? Are we steadfast? Yes, no, not unstable. How about humble? Humble, these are just some of the things we picked up earlier in chapter 1 from James. Uh, Endures and overcomes temptation joyfully. We we endure temptation when we're going through temptation, temptations of the the flesh, temptations from the world or from the enemy, that that we overcome those temptations. We're not going to give in to them because we know that temptation, if we yield to temptation, it will result in... And I'm not even sure we're allowed to say this word in church anymore, but it'll, it'll result in sin, okay? Sin. And sin, when it has conceived, when it has come to, uh, when it's taken place in our life, the scripture says, then sin will lead to death. And you know what? God's plan is not for there to be anything dead or death-like in our lives. So we are not, we are going to be people who endure and overcome temptation joyfully. Ready? Let's move on down the checklist. How are we doing? Everybody doing okay? Everybody passing? Everybody got 100 so far? Uh, amen? Oh me? Whatever? Okay, right. Here we, here we go. A couple more. <clears throat> Swift to hear. Swift to hear. You know, when I, I read this and was studying this this week, I thought, yeah, God, people need to be swift to hear. Have you ever had God do this with you? Yeah, they, they really do. I was like, yeah, God, just, Holy Spirit, just go get them and tell those people they need to be swift to hear. Yeah, there are some people I need to talk about being swift to hear. Man, if we would be people, and, and honestly, in my heart, I, I think this is probably one of those situations where if our world could adopt this, 
How, how many people understand that, that listening is almost a lost art? Everybody wants to scream and yell, and they want to say what's on their mind, and they want to tell other people what they think, and they want to shout their political statements or slogans, or they want to drive their point across to everybody else. But, but man, you know what the Bible says here? We want to be swift to hear, quick to listen, quick to listen to God when He speaks to us, when He speaks to us through His Word when he speaks to us by his spirit, when he, when he speaks to us through some type of a, maybe it's a prophetic utterance or someone that comes up and gives you a word of encouragement, we want to be quick to hear from God. But can I tell you, we need to be quick as, as genuine faith-filled people, as genuine followers of Jesus Christ, as genuine disciples, nothing fake about our lives. We need to be people who really are quick to hear what's going on in other people's lives. I think sometimes we can't care because we don't know, because we don't listen. Sometimes, and it's amazing to me, that there are people that are hurting right here in the body of Christ, right here in the church. There are people that are lonely, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but, but man, we, we just walk by so quick. God bless you. We've got, you know, but we're, we're not quick to hear, quick to listen. May God help us to be better listeners and all God's people said, and all God's people said, amen. So quick, uh, quick to hear, slow to speak. We measure our words. We don't just spout off at the mouth, right? We're slow to wrath, okay? We're slow to wrath. Now, that means we don't just get angry and let our anger fester because we know that most of anger is what based in fear. It's based in disappointment that I didn't get what I want. And so how are we going to be slow to wrath? Well, I, I think people who are slow to wrath are slow to wrath because they're more concerned about God's will than their way. There are people that are continually saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And they don't just mean it as some you know, trite statement or just a a passing phrase, but it's the reality of their lives where they say, your will be done, God, because I know your will is better than anything that I could ever think or imagine. Amen? Amen. So, um, and then they are people who are hungry for righteousness, hungry to see works of righteousness taking place in our world. Um, next thing, true or false, here we go, ready? They abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wickedness, all forms of wicked conduct. They are people who say, none of that's for me. God, all I want is your will being done in my life, all right? We keep on going down through the scripture, and you can go back and read it there for yourselves. But they are people who do not live in deception, they don't just take what they think or what they feel or even what they believe and accept it as reality, but they get things verified through the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. Okay, is that us? Are we all doing good this morning? Yes, no? Okay, check, X. Okay, let's get these things, all right? They are people who they are a hearer of the Word and not just a doer. They are a hearer and a doer of the Word. Sorry about that. They are a hearer and a doer of the Word. They don't just hear, but they do. They carry out the Word of God. And because they do this, this is the person that they know who they are. They know their identity. They know that they are loved by God. Can you check that? Every, every one of us can check that one. 
Every one of us can put a big true statement beside that. We are loved by God. They are blessed by God. You know, it's amazing to me <clears throat> that, that there's some people, when you talk to them, that, that all they ever have to tell you is about the tough times, the difficult times, the bad times, the, the problems that are going on in their life, the, the emotional turmoil that goes on. And I'm not saying those aren't real things. But can I tell you this, that the more I'm around genuine followers, genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, genu people who are genuinely, fully committed to his will being done, for his kingdom to rule in, in hearts and lives, you know what I hear them saying? I am blessed. Man, my life is so blessed. I I'm so thankful for God's goodness. I, I hear that. I've, that's been one of the common traits through the years of people who are faithful and generous in their tithes and in giving. I, I see people that say many times, well, I can't afford. You know the testimony of people who are faithful and genuine in their trust and their obedience to God in, in tithes and giving? I am blessed. God, I, don't, I wouldn't have anything at all to give if it wasn't for God. I was so thrilled this morning. I heard somebody tell me, uh, they said to me um, uh, that they were so excited about giving today because they were getting to give more. They've got a raise on their job. And they were excited. Come on, give the Lord a hand for raises. Amen. So, All right, ready? We're, all, we're down to about verse 26 or so. If you're tracking along there, it says in verse 1, it says this, that, that people with genuine, who are a genuine, living, God-honoring faith, right? It's, it's, it's something they hear, it's, it's, it's who they are, that they are people who they bridle their tongue, their tongue. Did I hear a moan there? Did I? Okay. <clears throat> they bridle their tongue, that their tongue is submitted to God. You know, the scripture really points out to us that, that we are completely owned. We've submitted ourselves to God, to his lordship. And through his lordship, that means that every thought that we think, every action that we do, and every word that we speak, God wants it to be his. True, false. Any words that have been spoken this week that maybe were not completely and fully God's are our tongues bridled. Genuine faith cares about orphans and widows. Not so consumed with their own lives, their own situations, their own circumstances, that they can't help other people. That they can't focus on others. Not people who are, who are going to be not are going to make sure that their schedules are not so busy Saturday afternoon that they can't go to church under the bridge. Come on, girl, you better help me out there, right? <laughs> I, I'm serious about this. That, that we get so busy, we get so focused on our own stuff. You know what the Bible says, that a genuine faith is focused on others. You know, and I, I know this sounds a little self-serving here, but, but just this past, within the last two weeks, I was so thrilled that, um, that one of the, the gentlemen here in our church heard about a need that, um, that a widow had, and they took the initiative to go over and to take care of this need and to bless this widow, to do, just to do a simple task for them. I, I mean, th th this may seem like a simple thing, but can I tell you what? It's a big thing when it's not done. It, it, it's a great thing when we go and when we help the widows and help the orphans and remember those who are in different conditions of life than we are. So that's what some of the things that are being talked about. Everybody passing so far? How are we all doing there on our quiz? All right? True, false, yes, no, check, X, okay. 
Well, let's continue on just with a couple more. How's this? In chapter 1, a um, few more items about uh, doing the Word, living a life of genuine faith. It says this. says that this type of person lives a life without favoritism, without prejudice, without partiality, without discrimination. James puts it like this in chapter 2, verse 8. He says, Your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love as given to us in Scripture. You must love and value your neighbor as you value yourself. For keeping this law is a noble way to live. But when you show prejudice, when you show prejudice, you commit sin. And you violate the royal law of love. You see, in James chapter 2, James, evidently, there were rich people who would come into the church service, and the rich people got catered to, and they got a lot of attention, and they got the best seats, and they got acknowledged while the, the poor and the needy and the lonely and the hurting, they, were, they were, weren't focused on. They were abandoned. And James says, hey, listen, any time when you allow favoritism or prejudice or partiality or, or, or some type of preference or discrimination based on anything, based on race, based on age. And let me, let me stop here just for a second and say, I, I know that there's racial issues that we, as the body of Christ, as New Covenant Church, we're going to be a part of helping to heal and reconcile. You didn't say it loud enough. Amen. I said, well, God's appointed us here and now for such a time as this to be people who bridge the gap, who are in, actively engaged and making sure that race discrimination will never be a part of who we are. It's never a part of God's kingdom. Amen? And I mean that. Can I tell you, I'm definitely concerned about uh, another issue. It's the, it's the issue, and I don't even want to say it's a generation gap, but it's the age issue. It's this age issue that, that where all of a sudden the, the older think ill of the younger. Come on, where are my younger at, okay? Come on. All of us young people need to be coming on up here now, right? So, right? Right? But, but I'm serious. How many times uh, of uh, mature people have we sat around and talked about the issues of those, them, their millennials and generation IYers and Zers and Xers and all the other stuff? I mean, how, how, seriously. And can I tell you, it goes the other way, too. Oh, there's our, now we got our old people involved, right? That's right. <laughs> Go get them, Pastor Sam. Get on them young people now. Preach them down, all right? Tear them up. Woo, yeah. Get them. Go get them. Go get them, right? But any time, any time we have a preference against someone or we're showing favoritism or discrimination, even on the basis of age, can I tell you that, that they're, and whether we're young or old, can I tell you that it's not, it's not how genuine, that's fake, okay, that's a fake faith, that's a, that's a lifeless faith. The scripture put it like this very clearly. It says, it's sin, and you violate the royal law of love. And that's not who we are. Amen? Ready? Next one. Here we go. They demonstrate their faith through good works. They live lives that say, saved people serve people. Come on, say it with me. Saved people 
serve people. One more time, you're almost there. Saved people serve people. Why? Because we love what God loves and God loves people. Amen. That's what genuine faith is all about. James chapter 2 verse 14 puts it like this. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? Why would it be attractive to anyone? Why would anyone want to be a part of that? He goes on, he says, for example, if a brother or a sister in the faith is poorly clothed and poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even with a cup of soup, what good is your faith? What good is your faith? How you doing, brother? Oh, man, it's been a tough week. Lost my job. Living on the street. I'm sorry to hear about that. God bless you. I'll be praying for you. I heard someone say recently, I was listening to a teacher, and they said that God spoke to them the other day and said this. He said, stop praying for and praying about things that I've already provided with you with the resources to answer that prayer. Woo! Mm-hmm. Oh, that poor person out there. Oh, those poor people in need. Oh, those poor people under the bridge. Oh, man, those poor angel tree kids, those poor this, that, those poor other people, right? God, help them. God, do something. God said, I did something. I supplied you with more clothes in your closet that you need, more food in your pantry than you can eat, right, that you need to eat. I, I, I gave you what you need Okay, I provided for you to be a help and to be a blessing to them. Preach it, brother. Thank you. I really will. Okay, so. All right. Uh, Verse 17 says this. So faith that doesn't involve action is phony. But someone might object and say, one person has faith, another person has works. I say to them, go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works. And I will show you my faith by my works as proof that I believe. Now, now listen, there's more being said here than we understand. He's saying that it's not just enough to believe. There needs to be some proof that we believe. Proof that we believe. As a matter of fact, he goes on in verse 19, and I don't know how this reads on the screen. In my um, notes here, it's bolded and got some, you know, all kinds of stuff to to emphasize it. Listen to this. It says, you can believe all you want that there's one true God. That's wonderful. Even the demons know this, and they tremble with fear before him. Yet they're unchanged. They remain demons. So so he's saying it's not just enough to believe the demons believe. Man, one of the greatest surprises in my life moving to East Texas 20-some years ago was everybody believes. (laughs) I haven't met a person yet that didn't believe. Oh, man, the good Lord, we got an understanding. I believe in Jesus, yeah. Yeah, that's how, you know, they, I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody believes, but you know what? We're not called just to believe. We're called to be transformed. We're called to be disciples. We're called to be people who are not content to have a life of intellectual assent. We're not not just going to have our minds set on understanding the word or or believing that God exists and there is a God and there is a creator and and all that stuff. No, 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 no. We're going to live lives that prove it. We're going to be believers who have been transformed. 
I'm telling you, I think that's one of the things that's going on in our world today. We've got people who believe everywhere, but their lives are lacking the love and the power and the victory and the faith and the works of God to demonstrate that they really believe. And that's not who we are. That's not who we are. Amen? Amen. God's intention for us is to be fully mature. That the character and the conduct of Jesus Christ would be, would, would be displayed in our lives. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit, using the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. I'm telling you, God's, God's pouring it out, guys. God's getting us ready. He's, the, 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 the stream is beginning to where we're going to be people who, who walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. and are, that, that we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit and operating in the graces and the gifts of the Spirit at a, more, more than ever before. And I want to be part of it. I want to be that kind of a person who demonstrates those kinds of things. And I mean that, folks, inside the church as we gather on Sundays and days like this, but outside the church. I mean, every place that we go, locally in our community, but globally around the world, we are called to demonstrate this type of a genuine faith. Amen? In your school and in your workplace and in your home, every place that you go. Every place that you are, Jesus wants to be manifest. So as verse 26 says, it says, For just as the human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. It's not genuine. It's not real. It's worthless. It's valueless. By the way, this piece of pyrite uh, cost um, with tax $10.56, right? A little difference between ten dollars and fifty-six cents, right? And sixty-five to sixty-five hundred to seven thousand dollars, genuine. And, and the, the thing is, it, it's not genuine. It's not real. Amen. We want the genuine, the real. Well, I could continue on, but we're going to wrap up. Okay, we're ready to wrap up here. James chapter three. A couple more. A couple more quick ones. How's that? James chapter 3 goes into this. James starts talking about the tongue, the words that we speak. He says this in verse 10. He says, can we curse men and bless God with the same mouth? Not if we have a genuine living faith, right? He goes on. He says, brethren, these things ought not to be so. Not to be so then. How many people think not to be so now? Amen? I, I mean, I don't know where. We got this belief that I can say anything I want, and I can talk flippant, and I can be a smart mouth and smart elec, and I can, I can be grumpy and grouchy and complaining, all these things, and that's okay. Folks, listen, that's not genuine. It's not real. Go back. You can read it for yourself. Chapters 4, chapter 5, he talks about these things. He says, and then here's another mark, we live by wisdom. We are people who live in the wisdom of God. Verse 13 says this. It says, if you consider yourself to be wise and one who understands the ways of God, then advertise it. Do you know that your life is an advertisement for God? Amen? Listen, if you're on the loop and you're cussing people out, flipping them off, cutting them off, and all that kind of stuff, right? Okay? Please take your Christian bumper sticker off your car. All right. That's right. Okay? I mean, thank you for doing that, right? But it says, advertise it with a beautiful life, a fruitful life guided by wisdom, gentleness. Never brag or boast about what you've done, and you'll prove you're truly wise. But if there is bitter jealousy or competition in your heart, 
then don't deny it and try to compensate for it by, boast, by, by, being, by boasting and being phony about it. For that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom, but can best be described as the wisdom of this world, both selfish and devilish. For wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, you will also find many troubles and, and every kind of meanness. Uh, that scripture in the King James says something like this. It says, that kind of wisdom, it's earthly, it's sensual, and it's demonic. It lines up with, with the world. It, 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 it appeases our senses. And it opens the door to demonic activity in your life. Now, church, listen. I'm telling you, I, I love you. We love you. We pray for you. But can I tell you, it, it grieves my heart. And I see people making decisions that are based on the wisdom of the world, on how they feel at the moment, and fling the door open for Satan to come in and to work all kinds of destruction in your life. To see, to see things that you've built on for, for weeks and months and years and all of a sudden some, some stupid moment where you yield to the senses or yield to the influence of the worldly and to see us just let the enemy come in and wreak havoc in our lives. And, and Paul in one place says that, that it's someone that demonstrated this kind of activity that it brought a shipwreck to their faith. And I'm telling you, that's not what God wants for your life. And if there are continual patterns where these types of things are going on in your lives, then, then maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to say, I'm not going to open the door anymore. I'm not going to yield to the wisdom of the world, to the wisdom that just comes from the flesh. I'm not going to yield to the, the things of the enemy. But God, I'm going to fully and completely submit myself to you, oh God. Fully and completely. And I believe that's the answer. James chapter 4, okay, what do I want you to know, feel, do? What do I want you to know, feel, do? This will sum it up. James chapter 4. Now this is James writing to the churches there. Pastor Sam, the nice guy, he would never say things like this. So, um, right, James chapter 4, he says, You have become spiritual adulterers. You're having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world so wrapped up in the world. He says, don't you know that flirting with the world's value places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. We're constantly facing that choice. Is it going to be about me getting what I want? Is it going to be about me appeasing the world or fully submitting myself to God? Does the scripture mean nothing to you? The spirit that God breathed into our heart is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. Can I tell you God's plan for your life? He wants more and more of you. Not just a thought, not just a time, not just a moment, but every thought, all the time, every moment. He wants more and more of you because he wants more and more for you. He wants more and more for you. He continues, verse 6 says, he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. The scripture says, God resists you when you're proud, but continually pours grace out on you when you're humble. So then, 
Surrender to God. Surrender to God. Don't, don't just believe. Don't, don't just, oh, I know there's a God somewhere. Yeah, I know there's a Jesus. And, you know, when I'm 87, then I'll really give my life to him, right? He's saying right now, today, surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him. Do you know that you have the authority in Jesus Christ to say no? And the devil has to heed, he has to listen. And the scripture says as we resist him, he will turn and he will run away from you. You can kick the devil's butt, amen? He'll turn and run away from you. So move your heart closer and closer to God and he will come even closer to you. Make sure that you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin, be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking around be turned into mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. Be willing to be made low before God, before the Lord. Listen to this. Be willing to be made low before the Lord, to humble ourselves before the Lord, to submit ourselves to God. And He will exalt you. He will exalt you. His plan is to lift you up, to exalt you, to fill your life with his love, to bless you in all your ways. So let me just ask this morning, how'd you do, guys? How's your, yes? More yeses than no's? More true than false? More check marks on the paper than the X's? I just had a flashback, some of my middle school class. <laughs> X, 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 right? <laughs> Can I tell you, there's an answer. That answer this morning is to say, God, I really do. I submit my life fully and completely to you. I want to live the life of genuine faith. No fake stuff, no fool's gold, no fool's life. I want the real. 